0: Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, in our series on fortified wine, we look at the production techniques of ports and the different styles that result from those techniques. Some of those styles are very historic, such as Vintage Port and Ruby Port, whereas others are more recent marketing developments, such as Late Bottled Vintage and Age Indicated Tawny, styles that have been introduced into the market to expand and diversify Port at a time when Port has been in decline. But all these styles have something in common, and that is how the base wine is made. So let's look at how these wines are made. The most important thing in Port is the rapid extraction of colour and tannin. This extraction goes back to the historic style of port in the 1700s when port first became popular when the fermentation was very quick and done in in warm conditions which resulted in a deep coloured rich fruity wine. But this extraction is also important because port is fortified after just two to three days and that fortification stops the fermentation so that all extraction has to happen before fortification takes place. And if we compare that to other red wines, which may go through a cold soak, and then a fermentation of 10 to 14 days, and then maybe a further extended maceration of two weeks, which means that the extraction of um, colour and tannins takes place over a month. In port, that just takes place over two to three days. Traditionally, this was done in Lagares, which are shallow stone troughs, in which grapes were foot-trodden and fermented and this is quite a romantic way of uh, making wine having these the young men of the village stand on top of the grapes and tread them and stomp them but it's also a very practical way these lagarish hold 5, to eight thousand liters of wine so though they're very shallow they're also very wide and that just makes it ideal for the for the young men to stand on top of the grapes without sinking into the vat and these human feet were ideal for pressing the grapes because the human foot breaks up the fruit without crushing the pips. And the pips would give a really bitter, astringent um, quality to the wines, which is not what we're looking for in any style of wine, let alone port. What the human foot would do instead as it crushed those grapes was extract phenolics. And those phenolics are vital to port, the aromatics and the texture of the wine. And that comes from the alcohol that is building up during the fermentation, the temperature which is rising as the alcohol is produced, and also the skins, juice and stems of the grape. So lots of um, factors coming into play as these men and with their feet are treading the grapes and really extracting the colour, the tannin and the aromatics. After just two to three hours, the cap floats to the surface, which is then punched down with long sticks. So again, going back to that romantic image of uh, port and the the foot treading, what would happen is that the, the grapes would come in during the day. And then at night, the the young men would stand on top of the grapes, and a band would start playing a march. And so the um, the young men would actually tread the grapes in, in, in rhythm to the march, almost a slow military rhythm. And that would just break up the uh, the grapes nice and slowly and gradually. Then that cap would float to the surface. That's the kind of the grape matter floating to the surface and then they punch them down with the long sticks just to make sure that the juice and the, the skins are mixed up with each other in order to extract that colour and tannin. And at this time, traditionally, the music of the band would get quicker and more party-like, and women and children would jump into the, the lagarish as well to help break up the, uh, the cap. After 24 to 36 hours, the wine is run off into a vat, which is 20% full of 77% alcohol grape spirit. So a very high alcohol spirit that's fortifying the wine. And so instead of just pouring the spirit into the wine, you're actually mixing the two together and the result is a young fiery port with 19 to 20 percent alcohol and that's something you'll see on all labels of port 19 to 20 percent. Those Lagarish, very important but became less common in the 1960s and 70s and that was simply to, due to emigration. They relied on the young men of the village to break up the, the grapes and there were none left because of emigration so they had to find alternatives and the first alternative that was uh, used was auto vinification and this is a style of making a wine which is which originates from Algeria. And it has a couple of great advantages. First of all, it doesn't use electricity. And in the Doro in the 60s and 70s, there was no electricity. So having this um, fermentation method that didn't need electricity was extremely important. And the way that autovinification works is that you have a tank and the carbon dioxide is kind of pumped around the tank and that kickstarts the fermentation. So it's all done naturally. It's almost like a spontaneous fermentation. What it also does is rapidly extract the color and the tannin but it does so without too much complexity. In the 1990s, a couple of major producers came up with alternatives. Um, Fladgate introduced cap plungers, which are basically pistons uh, plunging into the into the grapes to crush them, and trying to do so in a similar way to the the way the human foot worked. And remembering that electricity by this point had been introduced into the Douro, and also there was road access to actually bring um, modern equipment into the area. Likewise Symington, another historic producer, introduced robotic ligares, which are basically robotic feet. And if you look at a picture of them, they they look like a huge human foot, and so they're replicating what the human foot was doing in in the ligara but these are both expensive methods and they're only really used for vintage wine and high quality tawny port. So across the doro and port production auto vinifiers are still used but they are more advanced than they used to be. Uh, temperature control prolongs the maceration so there's more control over how that maceration has taken place depending on how much colour and tannin and aromatics you want to extract. They, some of them are also shaped like traditional Lagarish, so um, shallow and wide so you've got that replication again and they can also be switched on or off which wasn't possible in the 70s because there's no electricity so again it's a part of controlling that fermentation process so a lot has changed in the last 40 to 50 years the romantic method of the Lagarish has mainly been uh, removed though some producers still use it because people have come back to the region as it's more accessible but mainly autovinification has replaced it and then also those expensive uh, replica of the Lagarish system but they're all tra- aiming for the same result. Uh, extraction of colour and tannin and phenolics. So let's look at the different styles of port which uh, result from those production techniques. Starting off with Ruby because that is the simplest and least expensive style of port. It's young, fiery and fruity. And the ruby is aged for two to three years in a mixture of uh, wood, cement, and stainless steel. These are all neutral vessels. The wood has no influence on the style of port whatsoever, and that is the case across the board, not just for ruby, but all styles of port. And then after two to three years, all these wines are blended, so it could be different vintages, different ageing vessels, and then they're filtered so there's no sediment in the wine, when it's bo- and then it's bottled. And Ruby port, until the 1960s, that kind of retained its popularity because of the British fashion for ruby and lemonades, very basic cocktails to be drunk in the local pub. But when that declined, that trend, producers started making their own styles of ruby, so you had a branded ruby. And then the industry really began to diversify because fewer people were drinking ruby, so producers came up with different styles. And one of them was Ruby Reserve which was introduced in the late 1960s and this is a premium ruby and this um, extracts more colour it has more extraction more complexity and so the, the fruits the, the quality of the fruit is higher and so the quality of the wine is higher as well and you can get some very good examples of Ruby Reserve um, quite easily available at affordable prices um, under $20 for instance and Fonseca bin 27 would be a very good example to get hold of, or Graham's Six Grapes or Novell Black, there's plenty of examples to find out there. Another style introduced um, was late bottled vintage, and this is introduced by Taylors in the 1970s, so part of that diversification, trying to, extra- um, to expand into different markets. and Late bottled vintage was introduced as an affo- affordable alternative to vintage. The big difference being that late bottled vintage has already been aged when it's been released, whereas vintage port has to be aged by the consumer. So late-bottled vintage is bottled four to six years after the harvest, and the ageing takes place in large oak casks. So again, the oak not imparting any flavour on the wine, but allowing the wine to mature and to develop so that it is ready for drinking when it's released. And so you get really mature, dried fruit aromas with late-bottled vintage wines. There are three different styles of late-bottled vintage which have emerged over the last 40 years. The most common are wines that are, are, are which are filtered and stabilised. So there is no sediment in the wine. And these are very common and they're very popular because you can simply open the wine and pour it without worrying about decanting it. Less common are the wines which have no filtration or fining. And these are called traditional late-bottled vintage because they're more like a vintage port. And these need to be decanted because there is no filtering. And so there will be sediment in the bottle. The way you can tell the difference between these two wines is that a wine that has been filtered has um, a stopper. The wine that has not been filtered has a cork and that is basically how you tell the difference. And then there is a much less common style which has been bottle aged for three years before release and this is much more like a vintage port. And this will have on the label Envelcido en Garrafa. Apologies for my Portuguese, but that means bottle um, aged in the bottle. And so that bottle aging just again develops the, the bottle maturation aromas that you get with vintage port. So let's look at vintage port, the most expensive and prestigious style of port, but it's also quite simple to make. Simply, the wine is aged for 2-3 to three years in old oak casks, and then the wine is sold very soon after bottling. The ageing of the wine all is dependent on the consumer. If the consumer wants to drink it straight away, they can. If they want to wait 50 years, they can. In the US, the trend is that it's to drink it young, so you can really get the fruitiness of the port and the tannic structure of the port. But traditionally, it is all about the ageing. These wines can age for decades and decades. So why, what makes vintage ports so special? Well, it's all about the quality of the grapes. They're usually from the Sima Corgo, and the grapes have an optimum ripeness. And so the conditions are not too hot, but they're not too cool either. So the grapes are getting ripening, are ripening at a gradual but steady pace over the course of the uh, summer and so when the grapes get to their optimum ripeness they have that rich fruitiness that we expect from port but they also have the tannic structure and the acidity to make the wines age-worthy and the fact that the vintage what vintage port is quite simple to make kind of points to the quality of the grapes and so the quality of the grapes the nature of the grapes should really be apparent in the style of the wine vintage port is declared by the producer and producers will declare in different years it's all up to them but there's usually three a decade over the last decade or so, or even longer, quality and consistency has risen, in part because of better vineyard techniques that we talked about in the previous episode, but also because um, more control is happening in the winery, which we've mentioned in this episode. But so one of the reasons that uh, producers will declare a vintage is whether the market is ready, and so they don't want to flood the market with vintage port. It's all about supply and demand. So if the market is not ready for a vintage port, they will not declare it, regardless of the quality. So it's not just... A Issue of quality is also an issue of the market. There are a couple of other alternatives to Vintage Port. One is Crusted Port, which is a recent creation of Symington's, and this has a deposit in the bottle, hence the name Crusted Port. And this has been aged three years in the bottle, which gives it that kind of um, readiness to drink, but the similar style to the Vintage Port with that um, deposit. And because it's been aged in the bottle rather than kind of been closed in the bottle before rele- when it's released, it's ready to drink on uh, release. And that appeals to a traditional drinker. And then we have the single Quinta vintage port, and single Quinta is referring to a single estate. So the wines are coming just from one place, and that's quite unusual for ports, because usually they're a blend of all the different vineyards around the region. And single Quinta vintage ports come from very good, but not outstanding years. They're aged by the producers, so again, instead of making the consumer age the wines, they're doing it for you. And this is something which has developed since 1986, when Portugal joined the EU and so that access to the Douro has been much more open, and that allows producers to actually base themselves on their estate, look at the fruit, and age the wine on the estate, and produce these single-kinter vintage ports. And this is something which has also benefited smaller producers as well, who can make these styles of wine, rather than simply selling their grapes to the big producers. And then finally, we look at a very different style of port, which is Tawny. And this is very different because it's aged and it's oxidative. And the reason it's called Tawny is because the wine has been aged so long, it loses its ruby colour. Well, that's the theory. There are also cheaper, inexpensive styles of uh, Tawny. We're simply referring to a lighter style of wine, where the wine comes from grapes grown in Baisha Corgos. So it's just a lighter colour than ruby, so they call it Tawny. Or it's been diluted with white port. So that's really for the simple styles of Tawny. There's another um, style of tawny, kind of a bulk tawny, quite cheap again, inexpensive, where the wine has been baked in the Douro heat to speed up the maturation. And these are quite strange, not particularly um, exciting styles of tawny. They'll have a brown rim, which isn't very pleasant, but they'll be primary aromas. It's quite a weird uh, contradiction in style. What we're really looking for in tawny, in terms of quality, are the aged tawnies. So a reserved tawny has to have been aged for at least an average of seven years. And then we get the age-indicated tourneys, so 10-year-old, 20-year-old, 30-year-old, and 40-year-old. Again, always an average, so not a specific uh, year that they're coming from, but an average age. And these really appeal to consumers because of their age. It is an idea of sophistication and can be a great birthday present or anniversary present. Each producer will have their own style, but the quality is always high. The wines do come from undeclared years, so years that have not been given to a vintage, but still high quality years. The wines are aged in um, cool conditions, they're aged in wood, and here the wood again is not imparting flavour to the wine, but it is changing the style of the wine because it's allowing oxygen into the wine, which changes the the, the style and the structure, so it becomes very mature and nutty dried fruit aromas. The date of the bottling must be on the label because tawny ports can deteriorate after bottling because all the ageing has been done exposed to oxygen. And so these wines are released designed to be drunk straight away rather than like sherry wood. And then there is another style of tawny which is colietta. And colietta literally means uh, harvest and this is referring to a vintage tawny. So a tawny that comes from one year. You'll see the year on the label and that just gives you an indication of exactly how old the wine is and if you know that vintage what kind of style and quality it will be. Okay, so that's the uh, production technique and the styles of port. Lots have changed over the last 40 years in terms of how the wines are made and all the different styles. So it's definitely an evolving category. So thank you for listening. I'm Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.